You're listening to episode 10 of Luggage and Little Ones, the podcast. This will be part one of a four-part series that I have recorded with Vanessa. In this episode, we discuss postpartum depression and suicide. If this is something that may be triggering to you, please do not listen to this episode. I am joined today by Vanessa. We are going to be talking about her full-time travels in her RV with her family. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? Hi, Chanel. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really grateful. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to chat about you about all of these things. Yeah, Uh, I have like so much, so many notes I was going through and like, (laughs) just writing down all the places that we've been. And I think I have like five pages just of all the different places that we've visited. So hopefully we can cover a lot of ground today. Oh, that's great. Okay, so let's start from the very, very beginning. And I just want to start off with how did this whole thing come to be? How did this whole thing sort of happen and where did where did you get this idea from um well it was all very serendipitous like to be honest with you we never imagined that we would be that family that's like a bunch of gypsies that travels around um but um I was born to be a traveler like I've always had this gypsy soul and I've always um done everything on a whim and done everything last second so um when we we're living in Ontario. Uh, my husband and I met and we both had dreams of traveling. But you know, one thing led to another. And all of a sudden, we settled down, bought a house and we got two dogs and then we had a kid and then the pandemic happened. And we kind of realized where we were at in life and realized that it wasn't really jiving with what we wanted to be doing. Um, so when I became pregnant with my second son, that's when we decided, okay, we're going to make the move. So the plan was always to leave Ontario and um, go on this journey out to BC because we'd really like to settle down somewhere in BC, but we didn't know where that place was. So we were going to just travel around BC for a little while. And uh, yeah, things just intervened and, and it all changed from there. Okay. So let's talk quickly about exactly like the the process from when you decided to like travel and how you got like how you got there. Um, Okay, so we decided that we were going to sell our house. And this was in 2021, um, before baby was here. So we really wanted to sell the house and then kind of go on this journey. And that was supposed to be in kind of spring, summer 2021. But things just kind of kept getting pushed back and pushed back from there. Um, And then my son was born in July. So in July, we still haven't sold the house yet. Um, And um, um, so, yeah, so we still haven't sold the house yet. And uh, we just had a really busy summer. It was one of those things where we just kept getting held back and held back. And then my son was born and uh, I was diagnosed actually with postpartum depression 
in early August. So that really shook things up. Um, my husband went back to work and things were just a complete mess. Like we, <laughs> we kind of um, had this arc where like nothing was going according to plan and everything felt like it was falling apart. And uh, just being diagnosed with postpartum depression, that kind of took the forefront of everything that was going on. So we're trying to renovate, we're trying to sell a house, um, we're trying to get used to being a family of four all of a sudden. And now I have postpartum depression on top of it. Um, so we really wanted to continue the journey and still try to sell the house um, because we had really our, had our hearts set on leaving. Um, so yeah, we, we sold the house privately and everything seemed to be going really well, uh, except for the... <laughs> Um, fact that my son was born with a tongue tie. Um, so he was very, very colicky in the beginning. Um, and I guess there's a statistic that uh, the more colicky your baby is in the beginning, the more likely you are to develop postpartum depression. Um, I can see that for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just with a tongue tie, like things are so difficult in your breastfeeding journey. And I'd already been like such a strong breastfeeder, like I breastfed my son for two and a half years. Um, and so when my second was born, I just knew like, I'm going to be breastfeeding, everything's going to go really well. And so when that wasn't going well, um, and the tongue tie thing was happening, and all of this other chaos was kind of happening in my life. Um, it was like a really big uh, it was just a really dark time in our lives and uh, we really wanted to push past it. And for me, it was like the fight for my life and the fight to still go on this journey and still travel. So ultimately the sale of the house fell through about three times. And if anybody has ever bought or sold a house, you know, it's like one of the most stressful situations that you could ever be in. Oh, especially um, when you have kids. Yeah, yeah. And just like, once you have that interested buyer, it's, it's like a month long process from the time that they make an offer to the time that the that the lawyers do all the paperwork, the banks um, do all the funding and everything like that. So every time the sale would fall through, we were being held back and held back and held back. And my husband was already on paternity leave. So now um, we have a paternity leave income instead of our regular income. And we still have this mortgage going out and all these bills going out. And yeah, that just added and compounded to the, to the stress of the situation. Um, so we were going to the beach one day because uh, for me, like going to the water has always been very therapeutic and uh, very healing so we were on our way to the beach and I was making an action plan for um, how to drown myself. And so that's when I realized like how deep down into it I had gotten. Um, and I said something right away. And uh, I guess I just want to like um, preface this by saying that I'm just discussing my experience with postpartum depression. And to anybody out there who's struggling, um, I just want you to know that I see you and that none of my experiences discount what you may experience or what you may be going through. Um, I have the ability to talk about this today in hindsight. 
And so after pausing and reflecting on my whole journey, I've come to see things um, much, much differently than when I was actually, you know, down in the trenches and and going through it all. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to say that, like, this is my experience of it. And it doesn't discount anybody else's experience. Yeah. Um, So I did say something right away to my husband. um, And... To be completely honest, it wasn't well received. Like that's a really heavy thing to uh, say to your partner, to somebody who loves you. And so he was he was pretty scared right away. Um, but he made his own action plan and said, like, we're going to go to the doctor and we're going to, you know, see see what we can do from here to kind of help this situation. Um, so I went to my family doctor and she's incredible. Um, she's so great. Uh, but the tools that they have to deal with depression, especially like post COVID were just not there. Um, I think like I'm from a very small community. There was about 3,500 of us (laughs) in the community and, uh, the wait list to get in to see a therapist was hundreds and hundreds of people long. Wow. Um, just the amount of people that were needing mental health help after the pandemic is just like so evident what a mental health crisis um, we have. So uh, my option get on the wait list to talk to a therapist and to um, take medication. So prescription medication, and I have heard of medication being really beneficial for a lot of people um, going through depression. But I just, uh, at that time, uh, was a little bit concerned about the idea that it may not actually help. Uh, It may actually make things worse. And um, on top of it, you're kind of numb to the entire situation. Um, So I just, I wanted to be able to my own life. And even though things were really unpleasant and really dark and really hard to deal with, I still wanted to be present in it and and actually experience it. Um, Because for me, the depression was um, just a really big indicator of how, I guess, how far away I was from my life's purpose. Like, it really just felt like um, a big red flag waving in my face, like things need to change, something needs to change in your life. Um, So yeah, so after going through all of the the stress of all of that, uh, we did actually end up selling the house. Uh, but it wasn't until January of 2022. So uh, this whole like six month long process, if you will, of ups and downs and and all around, <laughs> it just like, uh, it just came to this point where we were so, so grateful that we had this opportunity, because what we were fighting for the whole time was the ability to be able to spend time together as a family Um, because my husband took the full term of parental leave, um, which now is, is incredible. You can take um, 16 months. uh, I think it's 61 weeks actually paid. And then you can take an additional eight months or sorry, eight weeks unpaid after that. Um, So, you know, as we're going along in our journey and 
going along in our travels through the states we're telling people that my husband's on parental leave and they're just like floored <laughs> like they're just like <laughs> what <laughs> did you say that you get 61 weeks like mothers in the states are barely getting six weeks right yeah um financially it's it's very difficult um but once we got rid of all of the bills in the house uh it was way more feasible for us to actually go on this journey together amazing yeah that's it's it's back to the the parental leave thing it's I find it so like crazy how different it is in the U.S. versus in Canada and it's I was shocked when I found out that they don't get like moms in the U.S. don't even get like six what is it I think it's like six or eight weeks or something it's it's crazy but thank you so much for just sharing your journey of how you got to this this place of where you're now about to go travel and get to the beginning of this journey yeah (laughs) Yeah, thank you you so much for giving me the opportunity. (laughs) I I definitely, um, now that I'm at this place in my life, um, just after traveling for so long and talking to so many women, this is such a common experience. Um, There's so many women that experience postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression, and we're not talking about it. It's something Mm -hmm. that... um, that we just experience as moms, you know, we're just, we're, we're here to serve our children and we're here to put them first and make sure that they're number one, but it goes right back to the, you know, the safety talk that you get on an airplane. You have to be able to put on your own mask in order to, in order to be able to put your kid's mask on. Right. So yeah. Uh, if you're if you know if you're not well and you're not taking care of yourself then it's impossible um, to be able to be there for your family and to take care of your family Um, so yeah yeah. and and it's I find it so wild how there's so many resources less now for from my experience because my youngest uh, was born in the pandemic in uh, October 2020 my oldest was born in 2018 and the difference of care between them is quite significant but also from from the time that I had my my oldest my daughter and even my youngest my son um, how much care they get versus how much care I got as a mom was quite significant there was very rarely did anybody ask how I was and how I was doing and everything like that. It's always, how's the baby? How's the baby doing? Is the baby eating well? Is the baby healthy? Is the baby gaining weight? But there's never any, any attention put on the mom and how the mom's doing and how the mom's dealing with all of it. So you're kind of just like left alone in the dark to deal with it yourself from my experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I couldn't agree with that more and like (laughs) not to get on this bandwagon, but we, we have the patriarchy to thank for that. Like the amount that we don't know about women's health and what's going on with our own bodies um, is, is just shocking. And uh, my first son was uh, 2019, so I can really relate to that experience that pre-pandemic and during the pandemic, births were completely, like the juxtaposition between the two is just jarring. Um, mm-hmm. With my first son, I 
uh, learned all about the fourth trimester. So I was really big into making sure that I had a support team, making sure that I built up that village around me and making sure that everybody was around to support me so that I could support my son. And um, I was so blessed to have so many people band around me and, and take care of me. Like I didn't have to do any um, housework. I didn't have to do any cooking or anything like that. Um, and then, yeah, during the pandemic, uh, everybody was was too afraid to, to be around. Um, like my mother, for example, works in the public. And so she was terrified that she would be the person to come over and, and give the baby COVID, right? So mm -hmm. um, it was the most isolating experience of my life, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. And you having a baby in 2020, like that must have been like, I think that the um, restrictions in Ontario had lifted a little bit. Like my husband was able to be in the hospital with me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like in, in 2020, things like that weren't happening. Like you're hearing all of these stories about babies being born and their dads having to stand on the other side of the window outside to see their kids for the first time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, for, for me, um, my son was born October 2020. I found out that I was pregnant for him February. It was the day after Valentine's Day, February 15th. And a month later, like March, March 13th, that week was when everything kind of the world shut down. So right. I was, I was, I had only known I was pregnant for a month. I was eight weeks pregnant and all of this is happening. And I'm like, am I gonna give birth on my own? Is is somebody going to be able to come watch my daughter while I go into labor for my husband to even come and be there with me is like, am I even going to be able to have the level of care that I need to go for checkups and everything like that? Am I like my husband? Yeah, that's that's just totally able... relatable. Yeah. My husband There's wasn't like able all to of come... that anxiety. Yeah. All, all yeah. of that like anxiety going into it and all of the, this whole thought process of like, what if I'm the one that gets sick and now I'm pregnant or um, now there's a vaccine available. So should I, should I take a vaccine if I'm pregnant or if I'm breastfeeding or, you know, like, mental exhaustion, the mental load on top of already having running around you <laughs> was just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it yeah, so it's it's definitely like your story. Thank you for sharing because it is definitely something that I think a lot of people can relate to. Just having, um, having a being pregnant, having a baby, having a small child during this whole pandemic, and realizing like something something needs to change. Especially coming out of the pandemic, like something needs to change. This it just makes it so eye opening for so many people that like. I want to live my life differently. I want something to change because this isn't working or I've lost all of these years, you know, being inside and being isolated. And I don't mm -hmm. want to do this. I don't want to feel like this. Mm -hmm. What can I do to, to change? Absolutely. Like for, for us during the pandemic, it was a very big, like there were no other distractions. You couldn't, you were forced to be in a room with yourself and with your family. And it was time to face whatever whatever you'd been avoiding it was mm -hmm. time to face that um so yeah there was there was no avoiding it at that point there were no more distractions and for us it was just 
so apparent that we weren't happy where we were and that we wanted to go on. Um, and like, I will say that I, I thought that I was at that place in my life where I would like, where everything, I finally had everything that I wanted. Like we renovated our house from, from top to bottom. We re-landscaped the backyard. Um, I have two dogs and two kids and we're so happy and we're engaged and we're going to get married. And it just like, we're living this like platonic life, like the white picket fence. I had that and it wasn't making me happy and I wasn't sure why that was. And it's just because it is a a very, but yeah, I had like this Pinterest board house and um, it wasn't what was making me happy. Yeah. Wow. And okay, so let's talk about now your the beginning of your trip, your journey. So you left Northern Ontario. And what was the plan? Where did you go first? Like what, what was the idea? Um, so we, <laughs> I put the cart before the horse, as I usually do in life. Um, my husband, I went and picked him up from work one day and he's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, we're just going to go look at something. And he like knows that that's code for I'm buying something. <laughs> um, so we went and we looked at this 1998. Um, it's just a one bedroom, one bathroom, main living space. Um, but it's in like pristine condition. So I was like, what do you think of this? <laughs> like, this is something that we could travel with and he was pretty skeptical at first but the condition of it like I couldn't believe that it was from 1998 like there's not a lick of rest on it everything's working great um it was just so well maintained so we pulled the trigger and we bought it um but at the time the truck that we had was not capable of pulling a fifth wheel so um we had to like in January, we had to go get a new vehicle so that we could actually pull the trailer and we can actually live in the RV. So um, the idea in on January 18th, we left Northern Ontario and we drove to Edmonton um, because that was the closest to us that we could find um, a suitable vehicle to actually pull this thing. So um, I'm really lucky to have family in Edmonton so we kind of spent the next couple of weeks um, equipping the the RV making sure that we had everything that um, we needed to go on this journey and at the same time just celebrating the fact that we made it like it was uh, it was like a two-week vacation basically at that point Um, but driving in the winter across Canada with two children is is ballsy (laughs) um how long was the drive so uh from the time that we left northern ontario until we got we actually ended up uh going all the way to Kelowna uh we have some friends in Kelowna and we wanted to do like a little bit of snowboarding and like I said the, the heart of our journey was always to check out BC and and see some different areas of it um, so we ended up driving from Northern Ontario to Kelowna and back, and that wound up taking us about three weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So uh, at the time, we didn't have enough space in the vehicle for the dogs to comfortably come with us. 
So my parents uh, luckily watched the dogs for us, um, which really came in handy because as you're traveling across Canada in the middle of the winter, there are a lot of times where you need to just say, okay, it's no longer safe to be on the road. We should probably get off and just grab a hotel or, you know, pull over for a little bit. So that was much easier to do without the dogs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do have some really good tips for traveling with younger kids um, in winter climate. So the first and foremost is, uh, is just not to have too strict of a timeline. And I know that like people are taking time off work. Like when I was younger, I would have like two days off for Christmas. So I would have to drive home that night for Christmas. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So most of the time we're fighting time. Uh, So it's really difficult to say, Hey, we'll just pull over uh, because you only have, so so limited time but if you're able to just make the right call for your safety at that point um like driving through northern ontario my husband and i are both from there and the highways there are like arguably the worst in canada <laughs> like they, wow. they don't plow the roads um oh. there's rock cuts on either side the whole way there's no such thing as a double lane like you're always facing oncoming traffic Um, you're sharing the road with these giant transports that have no experience driving in a Canadian winter. So yeah, I have been some, been through some really hairy situations on the highway. Um, But we felt really good in the vehicle that we had at the time, which was an F-150 Raptor. And that thing, like I do miss (laughs) that truck because it was just like Velcroed to the road. Like there was, there was never any worry that we were going to get in an accident or anything like that. Like it was Velcroed even onto black ice. Like this thing was, it was like driving a tank. (laughs) It was pretty wild. (laughs) Um, So we were a little bit sad to give it up, but it just wasn't capable of, of pulling the um, trailer safely, especially like my husband had never hauled a fifth wheel at that time. So the first time that he ever hauled a fifth wheel was hooked up to this new truck that we just got Um, in the middle of winter in Northern Ontario. So that was definitely an experience. Um, But my biggest tip for driving in the winter, I really feel like all vehicles should have this or come with this, even if you're just like driving around your own city, is a humidifier. It is such a game changer. Like when you have the um, defrost on and the heat blowing and you're living in that and breathing that in so much. It just completely sucks all the life and all the moisture out of you. Oh. So you can go to Walmart and get like this little cup size humidifier and it uh-huh. fits right in your cup holder. They're like 10 bucks. Um, you just put water in it. You can even put essential oils in there if you want to. And uh, yeah, you just turn it on and it makes such a huge difference in the vehicle. Like the difference between having you know, dry chap lips and not having dry chap lips. That's how much yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And how, like something like that, how does it like, does it plug into the, like a USB thing or like a car lighter or is it battery operated? How does it? Well, all, all three, like all of the above. So it's oh, a battery wow. that charges. So you can mm-hmm. plug it into a USB or you can plug mm-hmm. it into a USB that goes into, like it comes with the little, um lighter adapter yeah and a usb cord so for us like we just plugged it right into our usb we would charge it up and then we could kind of put it um in the kids cup holder because they couldn't yeah. reach the cup holder so then it was in the center of the truck 
and that would um, light everything up from there. Oh, that's a really good tip. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like I couldn't believe how much of a difference it made, especially like um, we haven't really been driving. Oh, I guess to update, I'm currently in um, Kelowna, BC, and we've been here for the winter so far. Yeah. Um, and I just made the drive to Kamloops and back and we didn't have the humidifier at, um, because it was in the RV. And man, that was like, it was, it was like night and day just driving back. Wow. So dry. So yeah, so that's my, definitely one of my best tips for driving in the winter. The other is investing and investing is the key word in merino <laughs> wool for your kids because um, my kids have never, ever been too cold in their car seat like even both of them are summer babies and you know we put them in their car seat pretty much from the second that they were born and the amount of times that they have overheated I like I can't mm. even count you pull them out of the car seat and they're just kind of drenched in their own sweat um and they're you know miserable understandably mm-hmm. so we ended up um in West Ed there's um, a place called Icebreaker and we ended up equipping the whole family with merino wool and it has been the best investment that we ever made. So the smallest size that you can get is a 2T. Um, so at the time, my youngest was six months old, but he was a chunky six months. So <laughs> we were able to put him into the, the um, size 2T. And mm-hmm. um, my oldest was fitting the 2T as well. And they both still fit in them now a year later. So oh, nice. um, it was like $50 per item. So... It was $50 for a long sleeve merino shirt and then $50 for the pants. So all said and done, you're looking at like 110, 120 bucks um, per outfit. So um, that was really tough to swallow in the beginning. And I totally understand that that's completely unreasonable for a lot of people to do. Um, But when you have multiple kids and you can hand them the items down, um, and I really only thought that they would use the Merino up in Canada, but along our travels, along our journey, it has been ideal for even California temperatures, summertime temperatures, um, because it's a natural fiber. So it breathes. It's also um, antibacterial, antimicrobial. So, you know, if they spill on themselves or if they have a blowout or something along those lines, then it's not going to ruin it. And they have done so well. Like we thought that we would have to hand wash them all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have been in and out of laundry mats more times than I can count in the last year. And uh, we weren't exactly being um, careful about separating out the merino. Um, So they have shrunk a little bit but um they withstood some of the worst laundry mats that we could (laughs) that we could throw them (laughs) in so um yeah and then there is such a huge market for merino wool now you can always resell on like a facebook marketplace or poshmark or something like that yeah um but it's just like such a good fiber and i mean even if you can even if you can just avoid synthetic fibers at all for putting your kids in a car seat like cotton, bamboo, and merino are like my go-tos. But even mm-hmm. with like cotton and bamboo, you'll still pull them out. And sometimes they're in um, like a little bit of sweat. So with the merino, like I've never had to pull over because my kids were too hot or too cold or anything like that. It's so breathable. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um does that icebreaker do you know if that icebreaker place I'm sh- I know there's like there's 
probably lots of other places you can get it like stuff like yeah that. do they definitely. do they like have a like a a website you can order from or anything do you know? yeah I believe so so the only reason that we weren't ordering online is because we no longer had an address so <laughs> I haven't really ordered anything online until we got here to Kelowna um <laughs> Which was life-changing because, you know, I went from ordering everything online to not being able to order anything online. Um, so that's why we grabbed it in store. But I have a couple of um, other favorite brands, so I can give you some links. One of them mm -hmm. is, um, I think it's pronounced Nui. It's N-U-I Organics. It is uh, an American company, but they do um, merino wool blends. So a lot of companies are doing blends nowadays because it's it cuts down on the cost and the availability because it's in such high demand. Um, but a lot of places are um, blending with polyester because it's so much cheaper and it's a lot more like elastic. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas this company does merino silk and merino bamboo. So those are both like, oh, and Marina Tencel, which I guess Tencel is like um, wood fibers. So, and the prices there, like they have Black Friday sales and things like that. Um, but the only, the only thing is, is that it was long shipping times. And if I remember correctly, I had to pay duty when it came into Canada. So okay. those are things to keep in consideration. Mm -hmm. um, but they have like a whole bunch of different colors and really cute styles as well. So it's really practical for like everyday wear. Whereas what we got were merino wool base layers. So like I bought myself some base layers as well. Mm -hmm. And they're like completely see-through. Like you can't wear the black leggings as leggings. Like you will scare people out in public. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're definitely like clothing to wear underneath of other clothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, um, so you did your trip to Edmonton uh, and then what? Um, and then we actually decided to come to Kelowna. So um, my husband's really big into snowboarding, um, which was a precursor to how obsessed he would become with surfing. But uh, <laughs> we have some friends here in Kelowna, so we wanted to come and check it out. Um, and the drive from Edmonton to Kelowna I've never experienced anything like that. It was a huge mountain drive, right? So yeah. being from Northern Ontario, it was very familiar. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was completely different. Like we ended up getting caught in a blizzard the whole way. Um, mm. And we were driving through Golden. Um, and anybody that's been through Golden or is planning on going through Golden for a while, they're building um, a, t a double lane highway there. And they're building this double lane highway, like on the edge of a mountain. Like there's, um, they have like, what are those called? Uh, oh, my son would be so mad at me if I didn't, if I, if I couldn't remember the name of, you know, how boys are with their like heavy equipment. They're like, yeah. I, I told my son one time, I'm like, honey, look at the excavator. He's like, mommy, that's a bulldozer. <laughs> okay. You're right. Um, but anyways, they have like heavy duty equipment just like hanging off the side of a mountain. It's it's wild. Um, so you're driving and you look down and you're literally like looking down a mountain. Um, so at the time, my son was six months and um, he was still having a hard time. We corrected his tongue tie at three months, but at six months, he was still having a hard time with feeding. So I'm like telling my husband, you need to pull over. Like we need to pull over and I need to feed the baby. Um, and he's like, not yet, not yet, not yet. And I'm like, what is the problem? Like, what is going on here? So he does end up pulling over. 
Um, and we were pulled over for like 10 minutes and he's like, Hey, everybody back in their seat. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I see the sign in front of us that we're like in an avalanche zone. So there is no like pulling over in BC on the side of the road because your baby is crying because you're in avalanche territory. So, um, yeah, so we just kind of had to suck it up and, and let him cry it out, which was very, very difficult for me at the time. I ended up getting, um, earplugs because that was just the the only way that I could kind of cope with that um and we made it into Kelowna uh that night so we ended up going up to Big White the next day um and at this point oh at this point I had already bought the love of my life which is my collapsible stroller wagon like if you have seen these things I could not recommend them enough um we ended up buying it's called the Lark Tail stroller wagon um and we ended up buying it at west coast kids in edmonton uh and so it's not the exact one that i wanted i really wanted the wonderful old wagon which is like the mercedes benz of stroller wagons um (laughs) so it's got like a couple of extra features that mine didn't come with but that's okay it has got us through like we've had this thing so we were plowing through the snow um up at big white no problem and like you can load everything in there like there's pockets for diapers and extra change of clothes and everything all in your wagon my husband was even able to put his snowboard on the side of it really yeah yeah so like think a way to transport your kids but also transport all of your stuff with you at the same time so everything's in the same unit um which I found a lot more useful than when I had a stroller, like the stroller storage was always kind of awkward. Like you've got that big pocket underneath and, Mm -hmm. you know, like there wasn't ever like, there's, there's a cup holder on this one. So it was pretty, pretty unreal. So yeah, we spent the whole day up at big white and I just loved it. Like if I was a ski mom, I would be so pumped. (laughs) Like if my (laughs) kids actually want to get into snowboarding or get into skiing and I could just hang out at chalets all day, that would be the life. (laughs) Um, and then we went back to our friend's place. We were staying downtown Kelowna. Um, and my son was jumping, just like jumping on the couch, just totally, you know, he's, he's wired up all day and we just got off the mountain and he's jumping up and down on the couch and then he falls off the couch and he's screaming and I'm like, okay, like, let's assess the damage here. He split his lip wide (gasps) open. wide open like it was the deepest cut I've ever seen he's like just hemorrhaging blood um (sighs) it was wild so luckily they lived like right beside um the hospital and even luckier we were able to leave the baby with our friends while we went to the hospital um with Hux so we get into the hospital and uh, we went into Emerge and they screened us there for COVID. And at the time, like he had like a bit of a runny nose, um, like a bit of a cough. And so they immediately like put us in the COVID zone. Um, And so I'm checking into the hospital and this woman's like, so my my husband also switched his address um, to Edmonton at the time, um, just because we were so all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so the woman's like, okay, let me get this straight. Your address is in Edmonton. Your health card says Ontario, but you're here in Kelowna. I was like, yeah, that about, <laughs> that about sums it up. 
<laughs> so um, I waited, we, we ended up getting moved out of the COVID zone and luckily there was nobody else in there with us. But uh, I, I didn't even like reflect on how lucky we were at that point in Ontario you still weren't allowed to have more than one caregiver go to the hospital with you. Um, so if this event would have taken place in Ontario, it would have been me or my husband going with my son to the hospital. So I was just really grateful that the three of us were able to be there together and I was able to kind of help calm down the situation. Um, and we were able to apply pressure until they gave him his first set of stitches. So Ooh. yeah. It was pretty wild that like we spent the whole day and the kids like snowboarding and everything, not a, not a hair on him out of place. And then all of a sudden we go to our friend's house, he's jumping on the couch and it's his first hospital visit. So. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, so we ended up staying in Kelowna a little bit longer than we originally anticipated just because now we know where the hospital is. Um, we know like what to monitor for and we'll just kind of stick around here for a little bit. Um, and then we headed back to Ontario. Um, so along our way to Ontario, we went to uh, Drumheller. And that was amazing. Like getting to go to a dinosaur museum with two toddlers is completely different than going just by yourself, for sure. Um, they, they couldn't tell the difference with some of the dinosaurs if they were alive or not. So they were a little bit afraid at some points, but it was mostly like, mommy, look, a T-Rex. Every single, every single dinosaur was a T-Rex in there. Um, <laughs> but I had gone to Drumheller when I was a kid. So it was really nice to have that experience again um, with my kids. Yeah. And see it like through their eyes. Yeah, for sure. Have, have mm -hmm. you guys been? Because you live in Alberta. Yeah, we have not been actually. Um, we, I'm, I was actually going to ask, like, what, how was it? Because you went in the winter time, mm -hmm. and we thought, like, hmm, is it best to go in the summer, or is it just as good in the winter? Um, I would say so. Kind of going along our journey in general, we we've done everything like off season. So even mm -hmm. when we were traveling mm -hmm. through the states and staying at RV parks and things like that. We've done it not in during the busiest season. And so yeah. the perks of going during the busiest season are that everything, you can enjoy everything fully. Like yeah. we were able to walk outside um, with all the hoodoos and things like that in Drumheller. Mm -hmm. And they had it under construction because they usually do construction during off-peak season. Yeah. Um, so those things are to take into consideration. But at the same time... Um, there's not a lot of people there. So you yeah. you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just traveling across in general was still, uh, there were still COVID restrictions in place. Like we had to bring a vaccine passport with us everywhere we went. And that's when like the dreaded QR code existed. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so just having to like deal with constantly having our ID and constantly having our vaccine passports ready and things not scanning them properly and having masks on everywhere you go. It was still very, it was exciting. It was really exciting to be able to do things. Like we were mm -hmm. able to go to um, a pool with a water slide. And that's the first time that my oldest son has ever even like been to a swimming pool. So yeah. doing things like that were really exciting, but it was still very much like a restriction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and that's, I guess, another tip that I have for traveling across with kids is just finding um, 
like once you pull up to a place and everybody's kind of ready for a stop, just finding places that you can go where the kids do have freedom to run around. Because if you're stopping somewhere like a restaurant or a grocery store or, or grabbing food or, or anything like that, your kids don't really have the freedom to run around in the store. Um, they do, but <laughs> it's not appreciated. So, <laughs> it's not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. So it's better to like let them burn off their energy somewhere beforehand. And then that way, when you go into the grocery store, you can just get, get things done. Um, so when we would pull up to a new city, I would just quickly Google like indoor playground or we went bowling. Um, we went swimming. These are all just like different things that we were just trying to get the kids to burn off energy so that you can actually spend more time on the road um, in the car. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, so after you got back to Northern Ontario, you got the truck and you got everything hooked up, uh, then where did you go next? Um, so we actually ended up staying in the trailer for, I want to say a good two weeks um, in Northern Ontario before we were actually ready to go. Like we were just kind of packing everything up, making sure that we had everything, um, hanging out with family and friends. Oh, one thing that did happen along the way is um, on the way home from Edmonton, my kids were saying that they were really hot in their car seats and like enter back into, I just spent a a fortune on Merino wool. You shouldn't be too hot. (laughs) Um, So we took that as a sign and we were going to stop in Winnipeg um, because we were going to drive straight through to Thunder Bay. Um, But we decided to stop in Winnipeg and I just called it. I said, you know what? I really feel like we should get an Airbnb. So I booked an Airbnb for three nights and it ended up um, being a great idea because everybody was sick. So both my kids had a fever. My husband had a fever and miraculously the mom did not get sick. And I just can't believe that. Like what luck (laughs) that is. That never happened. Yeah. It must've been a man (laughs) flu because all of my men got it, (laughs) but, but not me. Um, so yeah, so we just kind of hunkered down and at the time I think, um, quarantining was at five days. So I ended up messaging the host and saying, can we stay for two extra days? And he was totally fine with that. So we hunkered down in Winnipeg and just kind of worked on getting everybody back up to strength, um, marathoned a bunch of, uh, Netflix and, and hung out. So then we get back to Northern Ontario it's minus 40 and we're living in a trailer. So it was definitely not pleasant, but uh, we were able to keep the, the trailer nice and warm um, for us and the kids to, to hang out in there. Um, and then it was time to hook up the trailer and get going for the first time. So I think I like briefly mentioned that my husband had never driven a fifth wheel before and now he has a new truck. Oh, we had to get the hitch into the truck, which again, minus 40. Um, so we were able to do that and then we hit the road. Um, we stopped in Thunder Bay cause we have some family there as well. Um, and then we headed to the U S border and that's when everything kind of changed. Yeah. Okay. So I want to stop you for a minute and just ask what did you like, what kinds of things did you do to, prepare for your family living in the trailer like and I specifically want to ask too about like organizing and clothes because that was a couple of questions that I had was how did you organize all of this stuff for your family to like live full time in a small space 
Right. So I guess that starts with when I was selling the house. Um, we sold the house fully furnished. Like, and I, I don't mean just our beds in there. Like I sold it down to cutting boards and candles and throw blankets and throw pillows. Like if, if we didn't need it, it wasn't coming into the trailer. And my husband's like a very big minimalist. I am working. I am on my minimalism journey, but uh, <laughs> I still think that like I you know I still need things like what if the kids get sick we're gonna need like medicine for them or you know where are we gonna put our clothes and exactly where your head's at was exactly where my head was at so my mom um, manages Canadian Tire so I was able to kind of like poke in there and and buy a bunch of things on sale um, so I bought a lot of I, I had measured the whole trailer I measured every single space and the way that I did that was I just stuck a measuring tape and then I took a picture with my phone so then that mm -hmm. way when I was at the store I could reference back to what size am I trying to fit into this space um so I just went hog wild buying the home edit um line at Canadian Tire which is just all clear plastic uh, like really nice plastic um, yeah. containers and it's durable too. Yeah, super durable. Mm -hmm. Um, because we had no idea. Like we brought some glass dishes with us and stuff like that. Um, we brought our espresso machine with us. Um, <laughs> what else? Like, um, and then I bought a bunch of containers for like pantry stuff. So everything pretty much was in containers. So I have a whole um cabinet in the kitchen that is just dedicated to um having pantry goods in them, and those are all in clear plastic containers. And then even the fridge, the fridge was a pretty big challenge because it's only nine inches deep. Um, so a lot of things are not designed to fit into our fridge. So there's a lot of like decanting from the original container and then putting it into the containers that I found and then putting it into the fridge. Um, and then what else? Uh, there, there, what about clothes and stuff like yeah so there's there's one place. closet um so the closet the kids and I share um and then in the bedroom this was like the one renovation that we did uh while we were in uh, in Ontario was we changed the bedroom instead of it being like a walk-in um, and walk around a queen-size bed we put in a king-size Casper mattress um, actually, it's an ND mattress, so it's the Canadian version. Yeah. Um, so we built storage all down the sides of the bed, and then we also built a headboard that flips down because our fifth wheel has that like awkward curve at the front of it. So in the bedroom, it's kind of useless space. So we just mm -hmm. made the whole thing one big padded headboard that flips down. Um, so we ended up putting like diaper storage back there um and just like overflow and then um we have storage all down the sides of the bed and like my husband is so extra like he was he was rolling up his clothes and measuring them and he made like the exact <laughs> compartments down the side of the bed that would fit like his three t-shirts his two pair of pants like he's he's that <laughs> minimalist guy <laughs> so um, that's nice <laughs> yeah and then the bed still flips up so we kept the original hardware from the queen size bed that would flip up so now the bed flips up and we're able to store things like seasonal things that we don't really grab that often like his snowboard was under there and and things like that uh under the bed and then yeah we put this ND mattress on it was the most comfortable thing in the world 
And the other investment that we made was into linen bedding. So the linen, um, like before we had linen, my husband would like always sweat in bed. It was like bad. Like I would like roll over to touch him and I'm like, no, like absolutely not. (laughs) Um, And because there's only one bed, we are all co-sleeping. So me, my husband, my three-year-old and my six-month-old at the time um, and our two dogs all sleep in this king size bedroom. Wow. Yeah. So, but the, we were able to like put it in so that the whole bedroom is just bed. So it kind of worked out for us. Like we put some padded, um, flip ups on the side for the side storage. So then yeah. that way, like when we're sleeping, it's nice and padded and the kids don't like bonk their heads on it and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. it's one big cozy ship. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, and the linen, like, so, so game-changing. Like, it's so breathable and so easy to wash, so easy to maintain. Um, yeah, love it. Awesome. And where, okay, the linen, where did you get it? And, like, what, what was, because I know you said invest. Like, do you have, like, an average cost of what it was or do you not yeah. remember? Yeah, so we had looked into some Canadian brands, um, but because we were outfitting the whole bed at the same mm-hmm. time, like my husband and I have both like gone to HomeSense or gone to Winners or whatever and bought like a whole bedding set and had that cost like three, four hundred dollars, you know, easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we uh, looked, we researched a couple of different companies and we ended up going with a company called Bed Threads because they have an online simulator. So you can actually like build your bed and see what the colors look like all together and mix and match all of their different colors. So we could kind of pick our aesthetic and see exactly what we were getting. Um, So it was 500 altogether, not including shipping. And it did ship from Australia. So um, I think, I think it's an Australian company, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was over here pretty quick. But yeah, that was the best price that we could find because a lot of like uh, linen duvet covers are like in the neighborhood of two, two fifty. But we ended up getting four pillowcases, two fitted sheets and a duvet cover for and a flat sheet for five hundred. So I felt bad. Yeah, I felt like it it was an investment for us because we don't plan on like switching our bedding anytime soon. I don't know if I would buy specifically from that company again. It is 100% French flax linen. So I love that. But the duvet cover was a bit of a disappointment. Like, you know how duvet covers typically have like some way to attach the duvet to the duvet cover, like in the corners. Mm -hmm. This one doesn't have anything like that. And the buttons are constantly popping open. So having the duvet cover on the duvet is like, it's like having a big sloppy (laughs) cover on top of it yeah so yeah that and then I bought myself uh silk pillowcases as well which for me game changing um like I had bought those like ripoff ones on Amazon before like Mm -hmm. I think they're satin um and it kind of like felt like plastic on your face like you could feel that and so once I bought the silk ones like a lot of um like redness in my skin went away my hair um wasn't getting all knotted which was clutch because um you know when you're when you're traveling that much your hair kind of gets put on the back burner you don't get to like stop and curl your hair every day right so (laughs) um so having the the silk pillowcases really came in handy for that as well yeah 
All right. So is there anything else you wanted to add about like preparing for the journey or anything like that? Um, you know what, it just comes down to you have to live in it. Like I thought like I had bought all these organizers and I, you know, like done my due diligence and kind of, you know, my husband's measuring his jeans. <laughs> like it just comes <laughs> down to you have to live in the space. So I guess my biggest travel tip and this is for anybody, and this we kind of learned during the pandemic, right, is that you don't have to travel far to be traveling. So if you have the opportunity to, like, get an RV or get a trailer or get a tent um, and go camping, then do that close to home. Like, camp out in your own driveway. Like, that's what we were doing for a little bit. We were staying in the trailer and seeing what it was like and trying to get a feel for it. So, yeah, like if you're not sure how your kids are going to be in a car seat, just take them for a drive one day. Like if you're in movement, then you are traveling. So try to go on like smaller adventures. But when it comes down to it, you just have to experience it to know better. Like now I would love to (laughs) kind of go in and and do some renovations and and um, do things a little bit differently now that we've lived in the space for so long right so you Mm -hmm. only really learn by experiencing it so you just kind of got to dive right in but I will say my minimalist husband does come through in that you really don't need all of these things that you think that you need like all these things that you think that you need to travel with you probably don't (laughs) so yeah this is the end of the first part of the series Be sure to subscribe so you can listen to the rest of Vanessa's journey and follow along.